is the legion. I'm me. Tell a boy spaz got bars. Man, a mother cats can't go hard on God. I'm me. Hey guys, thanks for coming back to Click My Lit. My name's Brad, and these are the stories I write when my mind starts to wander. Again, the intro song is called I'm Me, and it's by Spazzy Davis Jr. You can find more of his songs by searching Spazzy Davis Jr. on YouTube. Check him out, check me out, and check out my Patreon. Like, subscribe, and share if you like what you hear. This week's installment of Skipping Out picks up with the reluctant return of the skip. He's been out of the hero game for almost a decade in his time, and has since found love and started a family. But life has a way of fucking with you so much you don't even know which way's up. You'll notice this episode starts kinda sad. All I can say about that is, that's life. Sometimes it's when you're at your lowest that the best jokes come out. And so we have, skipping out three, orientation. An unwilling return. No, 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 no! Jack Swift, a.k.a. The Skip, screamed in agony at the spot he'd just come through. He retraced his skips and found the rift just in time to watch it close. No! I have to get back. I have to. Jack felt the sensation of being watched and realized he'd attracted a small group of onlookers. Grieved, he collapsed where he was, unwilling to leave the spot, for if he did, he knew he'd lose his family forever. What cruel world is this that steals back a happy man? He assumed the fetal position and gave up. Thirty minutes later. Jack? Curtis shook his catatonic friend gently. Come on, buddy. Let's get you somewhere more private. Curtis tried to pick the bedraggled and hairy hero up, but Jack resisted. Fine. I hate to have to do this to you since you're my friend, but I have no choice. Curtis lowered his sunglasses enough that only Jack could see his eyes, and trapped him in his lazy stare. The hero went rigid like a statue until Curtis began to whistle. The frequency wasn't right at first, so Jack's body began to seize up on the pavement, all while maintaining eye contact with Curtis. Curtis altered the pitch of his whistle, raising it until Jack began to follow Curtis's mental commands. The what could access someone's mind if they were stunned, and, depending on the strength of the mind, could make the same person do or say as he wished. Zombie Jack followed Curtis to a solid black SUV and climbed into the back seat. Curtis got in the driver's seat, and activated the auto drive so that he could call Mighty Maw. I've got him, he said as he began to tell Maw about how he'd found Jack. It was a long drive through traffic during morning rush hour, so he had time. Mighty Maw, back at base. Betty Flowers had been working in her flower garden when Curtis' call came in. Once a day, usually in the time between breakfast and lunch, the retired grandmother tended to the flowers in her garden, treating them as if they were her own children. Next to her, as always, was her walker. The walker was still a necessity, despite the great strength she possessed. She grabbed the walker and climbed upward using the metal frame to support her weight as she did so. Her left slip-on slipped off a little as she righted herself, so she bent down and fixed it. Standing back upright, she stretched before entering the common area the team would often gather in before a mission if there was time. Leap was watching anime, her favorite pastime during downtime and paid Ma little heed as she entered. Curtis found our wayward child, Ma said, choosing a spot next to the younger woman. Is that right? Leap asked without looking away. Ma watched the screen briefly, but turned away when one of the black-haired characters suddenly changed his hair to gold, for God knows what reason. Is... is he okay? 
It was no secret that if a hero disappeared, it often meant something bad had happened. They almost never returned, and if they did, the hero that returned was not the same one that left. We don't rightly know yet. Curtis found him curled up in the fetal position, wearing some kind of green silk robe. Huh. Leap still hadn't looked away from the screen. Some purple cat person was shoveling food into his mouth at an alarming speed. But Leap still cared enough to ask, Do you need me to do anything? No, no. I prepared a room for such an occasion, just in case. Ma got up from the futon and walked toward the kitchen sink. She ran enough water to fill the coffee pot and started brewing some for herself and Curtis. After that, she found her walker and gripped it tightly to calm her nerves as she walked with it to Jack's guest room. She made it just in time to hear Curtis's whistling as he led his catatonic friend to bed. Oh, he looks awful. Curtis, who had his mouth occupied, simply nodded until Jack was tucked in. He wouldn't move, Ma. I had to do it. Ma nodded her understanding to the man. Curtis hated to use the power on his friends, and in fact would probably still feel guilty even though he saved Jack. I think he just needs some rest. I believe you're right, admitted Ma, nodding yet again. Maybe we can turn something on to help him soothe. Do you have any ideas? How old is he? Ma? Ma thought about it for a second and said, Oh, I don't know. I, I think he just turned 30. Then I think I know what to turn on. Curtis pulled up a streaming app on the wall-mounted television and pushed play once he found the right show. Ma found herself nodding along to the theme song. A heart so true, our courage can pull us through. You teach me and I'll teach you. Our hero wakes up. When Jack finally awoke from his catatonic state, his first thought was that he wished he hadn't. His mind had been locked safely away in a time when he was still with his family. He'd lived in harmony for the first time in his life, and now he was back in the present, which was now his past, and felt utterly lost. Nothing made sense anymore. You were gone for some time, Ma began when she realized that the hero was mentally present. Almost a year, actually. Eight years for me, Ma. Jack had to really think to recall the woman's name. He strained his mind to remember her real name, but all he got for it was a headache enhancement. I... I've lost so much. I have to get back. Jack sat up abruptly and tried to stand, but Ma gave him a look that said he better try no such thing. Jack reclined all the way back inside. Back to where, Jack? Ma scooted her chair closer to the hero. The look on her face changed from stern to concern. Not aware. Well, it kinda is. Jack paused, unsure how to say what was forming in his mind. I found love. A family. Peace. And now it's all gone forever, probably. Where or when did you go back to, Jack? The concern on the woman's face deepened. Uh, ancient Greece, I think. Between Sparta and Athens. I showed up naked as the day I was born right between two armies. Jack spoke about his time in the past, his trials with the gods of Olympus, and the love he had to get back. I feel empty without them, Ma. I'm sorry for your loss, son. We'll do what we can to help. I appreciate it, Ma. I think I'll be okay. I mean, I made it back there once. Surely I can do it again. 
There's just one bit of unpleasantness before you get back out in the field. Too afraid to ask, Jack nodded for the woman to continue. By our own count, you've been gone almost a year. And if that were the case, you'd just have to fill out some paperwork, but... Oh, God. No, Ma. No, I, I, I can't. I can't. You were gone for eight years, so we'll need to do the full orientation and training. All of it? All of it. Ma nodded. But at least you won't be alone. You guys tried to replace me? Jack laughed softly. Looking as stern as she could, Ma said. You disappeared for almost a year, Jack. But no, I'm thinking the team could use one or two more members. Jack sat up and shifted his legs so that they dangled over the edge of the bed closest to Ma. He tried to recall the rest of the team, but came up blank after Mighty Ma. I can barely remember the ones we already got. You didn't forget about me, did you? Jack turned his head and found a man clad all in black sitting in a dark gray armchair. He knew the man, and even knew that he normally wore a fedora, something missing at the moment. The man's curly brown hair looked dirty and matted. It's me, man. It's Curtis. Curtis saw that Jack was wobbling on his feet and jumped to offer support. As their skin touched, Jack felt his memory sharpen to a point. He knew this man. Yes, Curtis, but I'm still a little fogged up here. Jack joked, poking his temple with his right index finger. But I'm slowly remembering. I see you're still burning everything you cook. A steaming plate of eggs, bacon, and toast, each burnt near to a crisp, sat on the table next to where Curtis had been sitting. <laughs> yeah, better with needle and thread, that's for sure. Come on, I'm supposed to walk you to class. Curtis guided his swaying friend out of the med room, away from a snoozing mighty maw. The woman was notorious for falling asleep if she sat too long. Curtis? Yeah, Jack. Curtis stopped leading Jack long enough to look back at him. Did you forget something? A lot, actually. But no. Jack cleared his throat before continuing. Thank you. I remember what you did now, and how you got me home. You might have saved my life, so thank you. Curtis let out a sigh of relief and nodded. We're just glad you're home, bud. Leap has the classroom all set up and... Wait, you're not doing it? Curtis shook his head. Bogus. Leap is so mean. The two men shared a laugh that ended abruptly when they saw their new teammate. The man was leaning against the wall next to the classroom door, obviously hitting on Charlotte. The six-foot man towered over the much shorter hero. A real ladies' man, huh? <laughs> Just wait. Curtis let, let go of Jack and stopped in his tracks. Ah, as far as I go, kid. Good luck. Learning with Leap So how about it? Harold Johnson, a.k.a. Blow, asked, his left arm leaning against the wall overhead Charlotte, while his right was gesturing as he spoke. You, me, a little bit of wine, and a night in my condo. Aren't you like twice my age? <laughs> twice your height, too. <laughs> Almost. But who's counting? Harold placed his right hand atop Charlotte's head, but if he'd been paying attention at all, he wouldn't have. For at least as long as the two had been talking, Charlotte had been quietly tapping her left foot. She'd done this slow and deliberate, clenching her fist each time to draw the marginal energy toward her punching hand. Tap, clench, release. Tap, clench, release. Tap, clench, release. You're pissing me off, dude. Tap, 
clench, release. Leap removed Blow's hand from her head. Her face turned red as she said, Get in the classroom and wait. Oblivious to the danger he was in, the man stepped even closer until he could rest a hand on Leap's lower back. Come on, honey, don't be so closed off. Something snapped inside Charlotte. That's it. Lesson one. Never let your guard down. Huh? Asked Harold, removing his hand from Charlotte's back as if she were a pit viper. Too late. The gray-clad hero backstepped a foot, then leaned in with all of her enhanced strength and shoved her charged fist into the man's exposed gut as hard as she could. Oof! Harold collapsed in front of Leap, falling over onto his side so he could cover his injured stomach. Lesson two! Charlotte grunted as she kicked the man. No means no! She kicked him one more time, then left the man to recover on his own while she finished preparing the orientation. The classroom wasn't nearly as big as the practical training room it served as an antechamber for. It had desks for three students and reminded Charlotte about the time that she, Jack, and Robert had first met. Their group had been the first and had been trained none too gently by Curtis. Seeing Curtis' old desk made the jumpy hero sigh. She sat in Curtis' chair, her chair now, and swiveled until her back was to the desk. Fucking bitch, groaned Harold under his breath as he stumbled in behind Jack. Charlotte heard the two men find seats. Looking for that old training tape? Asked Jack. Charlotte nodded. And the workbooks, too, if I can find them in this disorganized mess. Ugh, not those. Jack whined. To his classmate, he said, We're gonna be here a while, buddy. I'm not your buddy, pal. Harold replied, barfing a little as he spoke. A good stomach punch would do that, though. Ah, here they are. Charlotte exclaimed as she found the triple cassette training video and the two thick-as-fuck textbooks with the same title, which she read aloud. Answering the Call, the complete guide to being a team-oriented hero. Ugh, is any of this really necessary? I mean, come on. We go out and save people. Stop the bad guy? How hard can it be? Charlotte stared death at Harold until he finally stopped talking. She then took her time getting the first VHS out of its hard plastic cover, and took even longer to place it in the receiver, slower still to push play. There goes another day I'll never get back, grumbled Jack, placing his chin on his upturned right hand. In his left hand, he held the pencil needed to answer the book's many redundant questions. Hey guys, welcome to A Higher Purpose. After watching... Answering the call, the complete guide to being a team-oriented hero, you'll be able to work as a team to solve almost any problem that may arise in the field of duty. Use critical thinking to assess any emergency no matter how dire it may seem. Fully utilize your natural or accidental given powers to their fullest potential. And finally, you'll know how to better balance being a hero in today's world. I know what you're probably thinking. Is any of this really necessary? The answer, my friend, is yes. The, the lessons you learned today could save your life several times over. To start off, we'll be covering the less exciting yet equally important parts of being a hero that could also apply to any other job. Workplace ethics. In this first segment, we'll be learning the ins and outs of harassment, both sexual and non. Charlotte paused the video and stared directly at Harold. Harold? The man woke up and raised his head off the deck, a stream of drool dripping down onto his book. 
Wake the fuck up and pay attention. If you learn nothing else today, learn this shit. She pointed at the TV screen and hit play. Workplace romances, while not encouraged, are totally acceptable between two consenting employees. Knowing when to stop flirting and making advances is most important when pursuing romance with a coworker. As a general rule, remember these three words. No means no. Charlotte watched Harold visibly flinch upon hearing those last few words and giggled. At least he was learning something. The skip remembers. The funny thing about having skip speed was that things came back at a surprising rate, almost as if they'd never been gone at all. Of course, that meant little and didn't remotely apply to the sinking feeling in Jack's gut that made him pessimistic about ever seeing his family again. With each memory he recovered of his life, the ones from the past strengthened even more in the hero's core. He remembered tossing a two-year-old Jackson into the sky and catching him, just as he recalled sitting in his room three years ago, while he, Charlotte, and Robert went over these basic rules. End of tape. Please insert tape two to continue. Leap sat up in her chair and yawned. She scooted her wheeled chair toward the VCR and switched out the tapes. Three hours in, and we've already learned so much. In this next segment, we'll cover secret identities and knowing when to share the secret. As a general rule, it's always best to keep your secret if you can. Even telling loved ones can prove fatal under the wrong circumstances. As a member of this team, your time will be compensated as if this was a normal job. For your taxes, your occupation will be listed as safety consultant. So this is definitely what we recommend telling anyone you're not comfy being honest with. Instead of saying you're a hero, simply tell them you're a safety consultant. Chances are, they won't even bother to ask you to elaborate. A still of the captain from Cool Hand Luke appeared on screen, captioned by the words spoken by the character in the film. What we've got here is a failure to communicate. The screen cut back to the narrator. Knowing when and what to communicate, as well as when to follow an order, can mean the difference between life and death. Jack yawned and remembered visibly that it was about this time that he fell asleep last time, just to be rudely awoken by a table slap from Curtis. Jack had jumped up so fast that he'd skipped himself into the far wall shared by the practical training room. Pained and embarrassed, he'd made sure to stay awake for the rest of the training. While he remembered that, he also remembered the time when Jackson got so sick that his death had been certain. He remembered what he'd done to save his son, and smiled through the bitterest tears. He whispered to himself, I'll get back to you guys. Huh? Harold had heard Jack mumbling and turned to find out about what, but Jack was in no mood to share his misery. They returned to their training video and endured the next four and a half hours in rolls of silence as the man on screen gave the superhero rundown. Alright, who's ready for the fun stuff? Charlotte asked when the final tape ended. It's about damn time, Harold complained as he stretched. Do we get to suit up now? Duh, answered Charlotte as she got to her feet. Let's see what you newbies can do. She winked at Jack just as she said newbies. Ha ha, Jack replied flatly. He smiled, but the feeble upturned lip did little to mask the sadness evident in his eyes. Charlotte noticed this and wondered if the skip would ever skip again. I'll be out in a minute. The minute came and went with no sign from Jack. Another five passed and Charlotte was just about to send Harold in when the heartbroken hero finally appeared. I... I can't. What's that, man? 
Charlotte asked, walking up to Jack so that she could reach up and pat him on his shoulder. I, I tried in there, to skip. Jack looked down at, his, at the checker-tiled checker floor in shame. I can't. That's okay, buddy. We'll help you get through it. But first... Charlotte turned on her heels and pressed a button on her wrist that activated the training room. It sprang to life and lit up like a football stadium and was nearly as big. First up is Blow. Blow was dressed in his new costume, a sleek blue armor flex suit with built-in blending technology that would help make him nearly invisible from below. The man stretched out his arms and pressed his thumbs into the first knuckle of each index finger, releasing the hidden flying squirrel wings. Let's see how well you can fly. Ma tells me you've mastered flight, so let's go. Harold snorted his derision, but did as instructed. He found the nearest launch pad and waited for it to send him into the sky. It activated and sent the man high above so that he was quickly zooming around the two who were still on the ground. Now let's see how well you can do with enemies on your six. Leap pressed another button. This one released a wave of 30 drones about the size of house cats. The machines buzzed around the man, but not for too long. He activated an EMP that disabled the five closest enemy bots. Several more began to crowd his view, so he destroyed them with a few of the energy darts that came with his snazzy new suit. Drone after drone fell until he was out of energy and placidly sailing with the last one closing in behind him. Blow turned in midair and sucked in a massive vortex that brought the lone drone careening at him wildly. He caught it easily and began dismantling while he fell to the ground. Just before he hit the ground, he exhaled the massive wind back out. The blown winds were so strong and close that it knocked Charlotte and Jack to the floor. Charlotte got to her feet and marked her red X over Blow's sheet. She deadpanned Harold and said, I'm still not ready. What? Harold bellowed, his face going as red as Charlotte's had earlier. The fuck are you talking about? I'm not ready. I took out every target. Correct, sir. Leap nodded. But how many civilians did you kill in the process? Did you save any? Suddenly abashed, Blow shrugged as innocently as he could. I mean, it's not like they were real people. So, Charlotte began, definitely not ready. She scribbled into her book and narrated herself so that Blow would hear loud and clear. Does not take training seriously. She looked up at Harold. Go swap out the power cells in your suit. We'll try again in an hour. Harold pouted, but did as he was ordered. Now it's your turn, Jack. I set up your usual track, but I'm leaving it free of clutter for now. Show us what you can still do. Us? Jack asked, looking around. He saw no one until Charlotte pointed at an observation deck some 50 feet up that was now an apparent new addition. Charlotte tapped on her ear to remind Jack that his comms were still off. He clicked it on and heard each of the three, even teleport, surprisingly, give encouragement. You got this, man. Curtis shouted as he bent, as he beat on the plexiglass above. One step at a time, Jack. Ma cheered as she tapped on the plexiglass too, lighter of course than the what had done. Come on already! Teleport's words sounded more hurrisome than worried, but counted all the same. Jack took it all in, embraced himself with Skip. A green light lit up in front of the Skipster, so he kicked off with his left foot and zoomed down the track as fast as he could. 
He, he zipped around five laps before his memories caught up to him. He vividly remembered his wife's face on their wedding night, the night his son Jackson was likely conceived. From there, his mind skipped ahead to Jackson's birth as he remembered how scary it had been knowing he was about to be a dad. They were happy memories, but having them was a vacuum that he could never fill. The resulting sadness was enough to sap his steam and leave him walking down the track. Sorry, guys. I... He didn't have the words. What words could explain? It's okay, buddy, Charlotte said as she came up behind the somber Jack and patted him on the back. You got back there once. I know you can do it again. I hope so. Suits charged, shouted Harold as he rejoined the duo. He strutted back and forth near the launch pad impatiently. Let's do this. Fine, but this is your last chance for your day. Charlotte was just about to start Harold's second run when the event alarm started to blare. Oh, guess not. Fuck yeah, a mission! Harold exclaimed as he rushed toward the exit. Ha, <laughs> he thinks he's going. Charlotte laughed as she shook her head. The giant fire breather returns. What do you mean I'm not ready? I've been training with you guys for months. Plus, and you may have forgotten, old woman, but I was doing this long before I joined up with you guys. Harold could literally huff and puff a brick house if he wanted to, and right now he certainly looked ready to try. He glared down at the old crone, who maintained her calm demeanor despite likely wanting to rip the man's tongue out. She turned from the man and addressed the three other heroes spread out around her in the lounge that also served as a briefing room. We've just received word that our 40-story fire breather has re-emerged in the bay. This makes it the third time in three years, Curtis explained. The black-garbed man picked up the TV remote and pressed a button. The TV clicked on and displayed only a blank white screen at first. Curtis pinched the touchpad on his wrist and sent a live video feed to the television. On the screen now was a giant green lizard with a blue underbelly. Three times? So it came back while I was gone? Jack asked. Ma and Curtis nodded in sync. Did you stop it the same way? Ma nodded. Is it the same one? Curtis shook his head. Best we can tell, it's a different one each time, Curtis said as he zoomed in on the large lizard's belly. The first one had a green abdomen, the second was red, and this one is blue. Ma looked at Jack apologetically and said, You'll have to stay behind with Harold. Jack nodded. You'll be able to monitor the battle, and you two are to remain here, and that's an order. Ma stared directly at Blow. The rest of you... We'll jump to the site whenever Teleport decides to show up. A bright pink flash brought a still yawning Teleport into existence directly in front of Mighty Maul. Sheesh! Can't even get a nap in around here. Robert Gross noticed the rampaging lizard almost right away and shook his head. This guy again! Mighty Maul, the what, and Leap gathered around Teleport, each placing a hand on the pink guy's shoulder. No time to eat then. Ma shook her head. The sooner the better. We need to stop that thing before it gets to the music festival. I'd hardly call that music, but you got it. The group of four vanished in a pulsing pink flash. That left Jack alone with a man who looked ready to tear out his hair if only he had any. This is bullshit, Harold screamed. Jack watched the impatient man-child have a tantrum. Calm down, dude. The team can handle it. Jack chose one of the three love seats and laid down with his head on one of the armrests. 
The beast was still submerged waist deep in the lake. The whole team can burn in hell for all I care. Harold sat down in Ma's chair and began to breathe in and out angrily. Whether he meant it or not, anything loose began to move around. Making it all worse was the obvious fact that Harold's dental hygiene routines were severely lacking. Marvelous team spirit, Harold, he said, his nose plugged by bits of tissue paper. Harold jumped out of Ma's recliner. Fuck your stupid team. I'm out. Whatever you say, dick breath. We both know I can't keep you here. How do I get to the roof? There's an access hatch right behind the fridge, actually, but it's locked up top. Harold pushed aside the fridge with a powerful blast of wind. Next, he used a concentrated inhale aimed at the door to rip it off its, hin- off its hinges. Uh, that one wasn't even locked. Not cool, man. Harold flipped Jack two birds and entered the ladder tube. Harold looked up long enough to blow away the exit hatch. He placed one foot on the bottom rung and turned his head toward Jack. Have fun hiding, coward. With Harold gone, Jack could finally hear the lizard roaring. He watched the TV intently and found himself chanting three words over and over. Make it stop. Make it stop. Make it stop. Blow takes flight. Harold Johnson was tired of women telling him what he could and could not do. Enough was enough. What did Mighty Ma even know about being a hero? The woman barely knew where she was half the time. And that would have been bad enough if not for the miniature attack poodle leap. Why she'd turned down his advances was beyond his understanding. Not that he really cared. Women were a dime a dozen. Besides, the woman was obviously a closeted lesbian. Harold finished climbing out of the five-story ladder tube and stood atop the warehouse that hid the hero's compound. It was a small bit of satisfaction knowing how mad the women would be once they found out he'd left. Leap, no matter how much she tried to deny it, would miss him. He grinned wide as he caught sight of the massive lizard off in the distant harbor. It was only ankle-deep at this point and already causing destruction. The town wouldn't need a team of heroes if Harold offered himself as the one and only. After all, one good hero was better than several who maybe added up to something half-decent. Harold yelled into the open air as he began to run toward the destructive beasts. Time to save the day! He cleared the ledge, and as he did so, he released his wings and blew into them. This, by far, had made joining the team worth it. Harold figured he was about as smart as they came, yet hadn't thought to use his powers for flight. He kept blowing on the wings, lifting him higher and higher until even the tallest skyscrapers of Patron City sat far below him. He was flying free, but still couldn't stop thinking about those awful women. Why put a woman in charge of anything? Harold wondered. Women were always so emotional about everything. They complained too much and flew off the handle for no reason. It made little sense to someone like him, who kept his cool under pressure. The lizard was now directly below him, so he brought his arms together and dropped to the beast. Each passing second brought him closer to glory. The beast tore into an empty warehouse, ripping swaths away until he could cross through it. Harold caught the lizard on his way out and launched five frisbee-sized energy blasts at its face. The lizard reeled back from the attack, but was soon pressing forward again. Harold zoomed behind the green creature and blasted it several more times in the back. He began to cheer as the monstrous reptile bucked forward onto its hands and knees. Time for the finishing move! 
Harold turned and flew up and away until he was about two miles out and nearly a mile up. He hovered there long enough to charge every bit of blaster energy he had left into each wrist. Fully charged, he went into a nosedive, aimed right for the mouth of the giant lizard. He sent two supercharged blasts at its snout, but the monster looked up and let loose a torrent of flame that took in Harold's measly blasts as if they were gnats on a bug zapper. Harold himself barely escaped the blaze. He dodged outside the flame and sucked in air from the cooler side, the side that wasn't trying to turn him into a human shish kebab. When he was about a hundred feet away, he let it all go as hard as he could. His plan, of course, to blast the beast back into the harbor so hard that it would never even think to mess with the city again. He would be the town's hero and would have all the women of the town, even that bitch Charlotte, worshipping him at his feet. The blast of wind shoved the beach so hard that it lifted the creature up onto its feet. Not exactly what I had in mind, but it just means more fun for me. Young man, what are you doing up there? Harold began to laugh. The old woman didn't want him taking all the glory. That's what it was. She'd kept him out because he was better than her, and she knew it. Young man, you are little more than a fly speck to that thing. Shut up, Granny, and watch how it's done. Harold ripped off the comms patch from his suit and tossed it behind him as he flew. One more push would knock that big bitch back to the Lake Michigan and teach it where to avoid. He came around the lizard's rear and began taking in as much air as he could without causing a full stop. He was directly in front of the monster and blowing into his wings when the big lizard set him ablaze. Down the hatch with Mighty Maw. Mighty Ma shook her head in disappointment as she watched Harold burn up and crash. She'd mourn his loss, even if the fool had brought it on himself. She never would have put him out in the open, exposed to the giant's fire breath like that. It was a rookie mistake, and rookie mistakes often prove fatal. Ma looked up at the beast in mixed waves of awe and confusion. The mega lizard had the size and power to destroy anyone within miles, it had so far only destroyed empty buildings and had made no progress towards the heart of the city. It had been easy to clear civilians away, and so far as Ma knew, the only death had been that of Harold. She didn't know for certain, but had a feeling the casualties would be low at the end of the day. You ready, Ma? asked Charlotte, her arms held out as if to hug the older woman. Ma looked up at the beast, then down at the walker she always kept close at hand. She wouldn't need it where she was going. Just about, Ma said, grabbing the walker and handing it to Telepork. Look after this for me. Telepork took the walker and vanished. Ma hoped to help save more people. At most, he could take six with him in one trip. Any more and his power would fizzle out. The what? She paused. I really hate saying that. I mean, I'm all for code names, but yours is weird to say. What, ma'am? Your name. It's... Ma could just barely hear the men giggling on the other end. Oh, very funny, young man. How's the rescue effort going on your side? Curtis had his hands full, trying to shut down the music festival raging directly in the beast's path. Not great, ma'am. They aren't listening to reason, and not that I think they'd hear me anyway as loud as they're blasting that off. Well, keep doing what you can. I'm going into the belly of the beast. Good luck and safe travels. Let's go, Charlotte. Ma felt her young friend grab her 
around her midsection and heard buzzing that meant the magnetic locks had been activated. Okay, and just FYI, the chat lines are totally secure. Charlotte turned on her comms and added, Charlotte Summers, Curtis Black, Elizabeth Betty, Leap, what are you doing? asked Curtis. Just explaining to Ma that she can use your name, Curtis. The comms are all linked and 100% secure. Well, yeah, someone would have to have one of them, but we still shouldn't risk it. Daylight's wasting, team, Ma said as gruff as she could. Right. Three, two, one, now. Ma felt herself get yanked upward at an alarming speed and knew that she would have had a heart attack if not for her powers. There was just no getting used to feeling like being launched from a catapult. Okay, Ma, I'm about to let you go. Charlotte had to scream over the rushing wind. Ma eyed the beast now slightly below them. One good kick ought to do it. Ma spread her arms out wide. You got it. Ma felt Leap's hold release and waited for the bump from her kick. Charlotte kicked Ma as hard as she could with both feet to the woman's rear end. The 85-year-old woman sailed downward toward the open mouth of the beast. She felt the radiant heat as a thickness in the air that grew in density until she smacked against the beast's pink tongue. Normal people likely would have ended up cut or stabbed by bristles that gave way like chalk under Ma's falling body. She bounced off the bristles twice and then slid off the back of the tongue into the lizard's cavernous throat. Ma fell hundreds of feet through the esophagus, feeling right at home. It was a route she'd taken before, so she knew where the last stop was. She landed back first in shallow stomach acid that instantly seared away her suit the first time she'd come through. Since then, her suit was always made acid-proof. Mighty Ma crawled out of the acids feeling dizzy but unpained otherwise. She was just about to start tearing her way through the beast when she felt an intense rumbling that knocked her off of her feet. Looking up, she noticed the stomach walls begin to contract. Ma, I don't think that lizard liked what he just ate. Curtis' voice rang through her head thanks to the Bluetooth headset that she still didn't understand. It worked, and the kids knew how, so she didn't need to. It looks like he's gonna... I know, Ma said just as she felt herself be launched yet again. She flew out of the lizard's mouth and crashed down onto the rubble off a rapidly deconstructed parking garage. From her back, she saw the beast bring his snout close and unleash the fires of hell down on her. The flames ran so strong that eventually all Ma could do, or could see, is white. When the fire died down, the beast was several steps ahead of a very stark, naked, very bald, mighty Ma. Unburned, Ma activated her comms. Telepork, I need a blanket and an evac. What do you need a... Teleport popped into existence. When As Teleport popped into existence, he froze with his eyes firmly locked on the naked octogenarian. A blanket for. He popped away and came back once more with a sunflower pattern throw blanket, which he dropped onto Ma. Missed the party, did I? Just get me back to base, Robert. You can make fun of me later. Ma recovered what dignity she could by averting and then closing her eyes while she waited to disappear. She felt herself drop onto her mattress and opened her eyes to find Robert staring at her. 
An odd moment passed where Betty found herself unsure if the 43-year-old man was going to kiss her or tease her about something. The moment passed with the voice of Jack cutting through Robert's comms. Teleport, I need you to get me near that thing. Are you insane, kid? Ma couldn't stop it. What are you going to do? I think I can stop it. I can't say for sure how yet, but fuck it, man. Just do it. Ma locked eyes with Teleport and nodded. We don't have a lot of other options. Ma pulled the yellow blanket tight against her body. Uh, I'll be back in a few minutes, Robert said before disappearing. Speaking man to thing. Make it stop! You've been given warnings twice before and will not receive a fourth. Make it stop! We cannot abide the torture! Jack was the same. That was the best explanation he could muster. He was crazy, and this was all happening in his head. But yet, he felt the beast's pain through its agonized howls. He didn't know how he understood the creature, only that every word made sense. Teleport? Yeah, Jack? The pink-suited hero asked. He'd seen a lot today, not the least of which was a fully nude 85-year-old grandmother. Jack figured he'd be a little shaken, too. Make it stop! I need you to fetch something from the police, Captain. Robert looked from Jack to the giant lizard slowly progressing toward their skyscraper. Though the structure stood as tall as the beast, Jack doubted that it would slow it down for long, let alone stop it. He just hoped he could do what the building below him could not. Uh, yeah, what do you need? And uh, you better hurry. I don't think either of us should be here when that thing arrives. I need a megaphone. Teleport blinked away and returned a moment later, holding the desired amplifier. The kaiju on steroids was barely the length of a football field away. Time to talk, I guess. Make it stop! Great beast! The giant fire breather heard Jack through the voice-amplifying megaphone and turned his head so that he faced the hero. Of course he left thought Jack when he realized that he was now the only one atop the doomed department building. Great beast, I hope you can understand my words. I do not mean you harm. Yet you torment my people with such a vile noise, asked the lizard. It stopped just shy of Jack and looked on at him as if unsure what to do. You mean us no harm, yet play what cannot be tolerated. Even now, as your people flee for their lives, you play it and add insult to those you've lost today. I understand your words, Great One, but not their meaning. What sound bothers your kind so much that you would attack us? The lizard looked down at Jack, with his head tilted similar to what a dog does when confused. You truly do not know? The lizard looked up at the sky above his head and whistled. My observant droid approaches... To play for you the sound of my people's most ancient enemy, the same sound that now tortures us. A drone the size of a mid-sized sedan flew towards Jack. It stopped three feet in front of the hero and hovered, suspended by four very quiet propulsion rockets. The machine began playing a noise Jack didn't much care for either. The harsh electronic music that assaulted his ears was made only slightly better with the, when the bass dropped but all the bass in the world could only make up for so much. 
Jack pressed the chat button on his left wrist and activated the team channel. Guys, we gotta shut down that dubstep festival. Yeah, good luck with that. Those guys don't stop for anything, came Curtis' reply. Mighty Ma here. I'm back and... decent. How will stopping the festival help? Jack took a deep breath before answering. Okay, hear me out. Jack told him about his conversation with the kaiju, or tried to but was cut off several times. You could talk to it? asked Curtis. Yes, I was given a gift. By the great goddess Athena, Mighty Ma cut in. Yeah, but who exists? Leap, who loved anything anime or related to Greek mythology, asked. She was the only one likely to be jealous about Jack's time in the past. She did when I met her. Jack shook his head furiously. None of that matters right now. We need to disable those mega speakers. Think about it. This is the third annual dubstep festival and... The third lizard attack. My goodness. Teleport is taking me to the speakers now. If I can't get the operators to shut it down, I'll do some smashing. Jack ended the call and stared up at the massive monster. It had brought its mansion-sized head close to Jack to listen in. Great one. My friends are working to stop the music. The beast nodded and made no further destruction. The first speaker blew four minutes into their wait. Two more speakers exploded before the rest cut out to silence. Ma could be pretty convincing when she wanted to be. Thank you! The giant lizard pointed his mouth directly above himself and let out a continuous jet of green flame. As the flame escaped the beast, it began to shrink until it was just a speck on the ground far below Jack. He watched the speck climb into its drone and fly back up to the top of the building to land ten feet away. A door opened up and out crawled a much smaller lizard. What once towered over forty stories in height now stood barely four feet tall. Much better. This is a much better form. My name is Timothy. Uh, hi, Timothy. The name didn't fit the beast at its full height, but Jack could see it fitting the smaller version of the creature. In a way, the amphibious-looking lizards kind of seemed adorable now, and Jack knew he'd squeeze him if he could. I'm Jack. I apologize for the damage I have wrought, Jack. My people will help rebuild as we are master builders. Jack, is everything okay? Yeah, Ma, you and the rest of the team should come up on top of the Herschel building and meet Timothy. Timothy, a.k.a. Leap's new BFF. It's pretty safe to say that Charlotte lost her shit when she saw the adorable upright lizard that stood almost a foot shorter than she. It might have been a fire-breathing monster at its worst, but that ceased to register to the excited woman. It looked much like the giant version, but smoother around the edges and a thousand times cuter, with its pink tongue poking out slightly. Throwing aside caution, she ran to the creature and began hugging it so fiercely that she lifted it off of the ground. It was surprisingly light. Robert and Curtis stood motionless and said nothing, both quite aware what the small creature could turn into. Ma found words the two men could not. Charlotte, let's be easy with that little fella. You don't want to bother him and set him going again. Charlotte set Timothy down gently and looked into his happy blue eyes. Timothy, is it? Timothy nodded and chirped. I'm not bothering you, am I? Timothy shook his pointed head and gave a series of language-like chirps. 
Charlotte didn't recognize the language, of course, but she didn't need to. She she jabbed her hands toward the little lizard and began tickling, causing smoke to rise up from Timothy's nostrils as he giggled. Actually, he loves it. He asks that you scratch on top of his head, just behind his ear holes. He can't reach. What? I'd be happy to. Timothy began to coo as Charlotte scratched behind his ears, even shooting a small flame through his pursed lips. God, he's just so cute! We should talk to him about why this all happened, Curtis finally said. Jack, can you get him to explain why his people hate dubstep so much? They'd attack us? Timothy broke free from Charlotte and began to chirp incessantly. First off, he says that you can address him directly. He understands perfectly. Second, his people had an enemy so fierce that it forced them into the pocket dimension they now inhabit. Our dubstep is the also the sound played when his people were being slaughtered. Timothy nodded vigorously and chirped. So the sound triggers a fight or flight reaction? Curtis asked, stepping up to Timothy. He crouched to the lizard's height and stared at him through his glasses. Timothy nodded and waved his arms frantically, then pointed at three fingers of his right hand. He says that this was our third and final warning. If he didn't return today, then all of his people, some ten thousand or so, would have come at once. Shock stole across the serious man's face as the realization of possible doom dawned on him. Timothy chirped three times. He says he'd like to see your eyes. Curtis hesitated only a few seconds before obliging. He removed his glasses and met eyes with the lizard Timothy. He says he very much likes your eyes, and the woman behind one of them is very nice. Whatever that means. Charlotte tried to revisit petting the miniature dinosaur once Curtis had his eyes covered, but was rebuffed with a stiff stiff arm and several hurried chirps. He says he wishes he could continue with the petting, but unfortunately, he must return home and tell his people. The lizard Timothy climbed back into the flying sedan, but left his door open slightly so he could still talk. What's he saying, Jack? Mighty Maw asked. His people wish to thank me. He's inviting me and one other person to come with him for a week. Aw, just one? Charlotte asked with a disheartened frown. Jack nodded. That's all he has room for. Dibs! shouted Charlotte as she rushed to the hovering car. She got into the front passenger seat and beamed a smile out to the rest of the team. Is that wise, Jack? Ma? asked Curtis, turning to each hero in turn. Ma shrugged. She had a bandana over her bald head and wore oversized sunglasses that hid her lack of eyebrows and lashes. Yeah, one week couldn't hurt. Plus, Jack says Timothy's people can help us rebuild. You guys have one week, and then we're coming in after you. Timothy began to cackle. What's so funny? Timothy croaked in answer to Jack. He says you'd have better luck finding the Bermuda Triangle entrance. Jack explained with a goodbye wave. He climbed in with Timothy and leaped, and then closed the door behind himself. Are you ready to go? Timothy chirped into the microphone near his mouth. Return initiated. A robotic voice said. The car shot toward the lake and dove below the surface. Meanwhile, Jack and Leap looked on in wonder. Timothy chirped several times matter-of-factly. Oh, that's cool. He says that their translation tech is so advanced that you won't even need me around to understand. 
Charlotte smiled wide as they dove to her new favorite place. The end. For now. Find out what happens on a separate bonus episode one day. Alright guys, that was episode three. As you can tell, it was kind of a roller coaster ride for emotions. It started out kind of sad and kind of has that little, kind of happy little bit at the end. Um, as you can tell, I'm getting there with my voices, uh, learning my characters as I go. And I think I'll just get better as I go. Tune in in two weeks for episode four, and then two weeks from then for episode five, which are dated October 14th and October 28th, uh, because uh, they're Halloween related, and I wanted to have two Halloween episodes in October. Um, and it, the story's pretty much going to follow the skip and the what. The, you're going to find out more about the the lady behind the what's eyeball and kind of where his powers come from. It's kind of an origin story for the what, and it's kind of hopefully going to be a, a spooky journey. All right, to end this week's episode, I'm going to tell you just a silly poem I wrote a while back. Um, it's called Cold Inside. Crushed and cold inside. It's okay. I can do this, I say, knowing that I lied. Pushing down pain like this, too obvious to hide. The joy I felt at first, a roller coaster ride, this pain is the worst. I'd sooner wish I died. An important tip I wish to confide. Don't chug an icy. Believe me, I tried. Alright guys, thanks for listening to Click My Lit. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you like it. See you next time. Is the Legion. I mean, tell a boy spaz got bars, man, a mother cats can't go hard on God. I mean, I'll really chill with a lot, pop pill, smoke, kill, put my partner's bitch. I mean, you ain't really keen to the gang, smoke, please, at the please on you lanes, don't play. I mean, if you ain't real, get goes. Yeah, I guess it's just the way the shit goes, like, oh, I mean, rolling up, slapping, I got the blood roll, bottle with jacking, I'm about to crack it, like, what's up, though? Minus on the track, cause every fucking beat I touch, go, these rappers, mobile yapping, sound like the packing. I'm still ill, but honey, the real deal I'm gonna put real meals, what's up, it's a real kill In this bitch, let me flip some purple to feel chill I'ma get hella lit with a chopper like Kill Bill I'm me, bitch, I'm just doing my thing Get off of these nuts, let them hang, let them hang I'm me, better be ready to beat a piece of bag You retarded if you think an ego change, no way I'm me, talk about a dude that never switched up Use a bitch, you probably got your dick tucked I'm money motivated and most of the homies hate it They ain't changing that, I'm aiming for the big bucks, bitch I'm me Tell a boy spaz got bars, man, a mother cats can't go hard on God, I mean I'll really chill with a lot, pop pill, smoke, kill, put my partner's bitch, I mean You ain't really keen to the gang, smoke, please, at the please on you lanes, don't play, I mean If you ain't real, get goes, yeah, I guess it's just the way the shit goes, like, oh, I mean Yeah so don't act like you don't know, I keep the 38 in a fofo Riding in my low low, with a cute bitch and her friends Finna make a pit stop, then I switch to the bins Gotta get to the ends, no delaying with the guap If I'm riding with your bitch, then I'm playing with her twat If I take her to the spot, I'm me, so you know I could turn a bitch out when she leaves, she a hoe She retrieving me though, cause I'm the son of a pimp I'm me, you a sucker, you the son of a snitch I've been running a bitch like Jackie Joyner Kersey She put it in my pocket till they bursting I'm brown bear Bernstein, looking for some pandas some big booty cuties going dumb for the camera She grabbed me by the antlers, she trying to touch a buck If the bitch hella broke, then the nigga can't fuck, yeah nigga I'm me, tell a boy spaz got bars Man, a mother cats can't go hard on God, I'm me I'll really chill with a lot, pop pill, smoke, kill Put my partner's bitch, I'm me 
You ain't really keen to the game Smoke please at the bleeds on you lanes Don't play on me If you ain't real, get ghost Yeah, I guess it's just the way the shit goes Like, oh, I'm me